Thanks for joining us on the bridge today. We hope today's sermon will create a connection between you and your Creator. Now God, He's always trying to bridge the gap between heaven and earth, which means that He's He's constantly reaching out for you. And maybe this podcast can provide a bridge for that connection to take place. So, my friend, what is God saying to you today? You know what? I'm not going to not all the way through this sermon. <laughs> I know y'all get tired of hearing it. I get tired of doing it. So. I can't help it. I love Jesus, all right? I love him and he loves me. I wonder if somebody could do me a favor and bring me a little cup of water from back uh, on the... Where you get water, there's little cups up there. My mouth is really dry this morning. You love God? Is God good to you? Yes, he is. Check it out. Bottom she said she had no sacrifices. Nice. Thank you. Who did that? Oh. I think you still go to the grocery store. Let me see your hand. Yeah? How many of you do the uh, thing where you get online and you have them bring the groceries to you or bring it out to you? You still do that? Yeah, that's cool. That's a pretty neat thing to do. So it looks like the majority of us goes to the grocery store today. So let me ask you this. Have you ever gone to the grocery store, wrestled with the crowd that is there, gotten sidetracked from shopping because you ran into somebody and you talked for about 30 minutes and then you get all the way home and you realize that you forgot the one thing that you went there to get. And you spent two hours at the grocery store. Yeah, I see everybody. I see everybody's heads nodding. It's not just me. That's awesome. Good. You know, it makes me feel good to know that I'm, I'm not alone in my dysfunction. Y'all, y'all help me out in that way. So. Do you know what would have helped you out in that moment? A list. A grocery list. <laughs> now, let me see your hand this morning. Just this moment of, a moment of honesty. If you are a list maker, let me see your hand. All right, we got some list makers in the house. I'm not alone. Um, now, I want to see your hand. I want you to be real with me this morning. Do you, how many of you this morning have a list of your lists? Nobody goes that far? Okay, good. I was going to say, you need prayer. We may have prayer for you today. That's going too far. So I, I actually want to know, those of you who, who raised your hands, why, and you just, you know, you just talk about, why do you have, why do you keep lists? Can you think of anybody? Those of you who raised your hands, speak out. Why do you keep a list? Charles says I need privileges. <laughs> okay, alright To keep you from forgetting things yeah. yeah, have trouble remembering Anybody else, why do you keep Why do you have a list, why do you keep it Alright, good, good Alright, so Same here it, it helped me to remember the things that I would forget Now what, Here's something else though. Let me, 
me run this by you. When I put something on a list, it gives me permission to stop thinking about that thing. Did you know that? It, it, uh, and an added bonus is that it frees my mind up so that I can think about other things. Now, there are people and, and who are very good at multitasking. They can have lots of things going on in their head at the same time. I'm not one of them dudes. That's not me. I'm not a guy who can multitask very good. So when I write something down that I know I'm going to have to try to do later, it frees my mind up to focus on other things. And, and some of us have got so many mental loops going on in our head that we can't keep up with anything because we've got so much stuff going on in our head. Now, also, maybe you need to think about this. If you're one of these people who don't write things down, but you just keep things in your head all of the time, all of these mental loops that you try to keep going in your head, they are causing major, major stress in your life. Did you know that? Because you're trying desperately to remember the thing that if you would have just wrote down, you would have remembered in the first place. Now, I know you're sitting here thinking, why are we talking about this? This is church. You're talking about lists. Just hang with me for a minute. But I want to say, I want to say that some of you, if you would just learn to write down some things, your stress level would go down in life. Right? That's worth the price of admission right there this morning. There's a book called Getting Things Done by David Allen. And I read this book quite a while ago. It's a productivity book. It's not a Christian book, so I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to read this book. But it, what it does is it helps you get a system going in your life um, to help you, well, get things done. That's the name of the book, right? So that's what it, it helps you get a system going in your life to get things done. Now, one of the very first things that David Allen teaches you to do is to write everything down. When it comes to your head, write it down. If it's a thought that you want to maybe pursue later on, write it down. If it's a task you have to go do later on, write it down. If it's a date you have to remember, write it down. He calls it capturing. Capturing the ideas and thoughts is what he calls it. Literally calls it that. Which is actually kind of biblical, isn't it? Because it was St. Paul who said, taking every thought captive. He talks about taking thoughts captive. Though I don't think Paul was talking about productivity, I do, however, think Paul was speaking of freedom when he talked about taking your thoughts captive. And so, taking your thoughts captive can bring freedom to relax if you will capture your ideas, thoughts, and your tasks. It gives you freedom to move on to something else. you agree with that? Are you with me this morning? Yeah. Have I already put you to sleep? No. Okay, awesome. There's coffee, I think, still back there. Anyway, if you can put it on a list where you know you will not forget it, then you can release your brain to accomplish more work. I desperately don't need a heavy load on my brain, all right? Now, I'm not here to sell productivity books for David Allen or for anybody else, but I am wanting us to look at the fact that David Allen, a productivity expert, and St. Paul are both list makers. So again, those of you who are list makers... You're in, the, you're in the same category as Paul. And Jesus actually had lists too, actually. So Paul made several lists in his letters to the churches. And last week we went over one of these lists, and it was called a list that was called the works of the flesh. You remember that from last week? Which, by the way, if you would like to follow along today, 
We are on the Bible app. You can keep up with everything that's going on today. And, and if you missed last week and you would like to catch up, we have a podcast that you can access through the Bible app. And um, that, that podcast has every sermon in this series from January up till now. So if you want to catch up, it's there. Um, last week we went over the, week, the works of the flesh. And this week we're going to look at a few more lists of Paul's. And um, so some of you list makers, you're like, yeah, let's go, right? And, and, the, and the rest of you are like, shoot me now. So I could do either one of those. I'm not going to do that. However... The good thing about this is that this is not really a to-do list that we're going to look at today. This is a list of benefits that we receive from following Jesus. So this is kind of like a Christmas list. So you might get excited about this. All of you non-list makers in the house, you're like, okay, this is something I get to get. It's really hard sometimes, actually, around Christmas time to get a Christmas list from your kids. You know that? You ever experienced that? You gotta wrestle a list out of I just went sideways. Rabbit trail, I'm coming back. But he's, he's talking to something that we can look forward to as we spend our lives in relationship with our Creator. Now, if you've heard me talk about this list before, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we're looking at today. Today, we're gonna go kind of into detail with the fruit of the Spirit. So let's start out by taking at this look at this list one more time. Last week we were in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. This week it's the very next verse, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Again, this is an amazing list. Amen? Why are we still here, Pastor? We have been here for a very long time. And I know. What is so important about this list that we keep hanging around this list? I will tell you. What you see in this particular list is the complete picture of a mature follower of Jesus. That's what you see when you look at that list up there. So in essence, the fruit of the Spirit is the North Star for all followers of Jesus. This is what our character is supposed to look like. If you ever had a checklist, this is your checklist. This is the Christian checklist to see if your life lines up. Amen? You can use this list to actually see where you need growth and attention in your life. Now this is what we're supposed to look like when God's work is completed. And he said he would complete the work that he started in us, didn't he? That's in, that's in the Bible. Now, to become more like Jesus is to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. You and I, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we begin to be more like him, the more you're going to see this stuff manifest itself in your life. The more you're going to have love. The more you're going to have joy. The more you're going to have peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I said many things in that list that I lack. As your pastor. Now, biblical scholars, they have two different opinions on this passage, and today I'm going to give you both. We're going to look at both of them, and I'm going to let you make up your own mind, okay? I'm not going to tell you which one that you should think because I think you should learn to think. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say, you need to learn how to think. 
You need to learn how to think about the Bible. Don't just come in here and let me shove stuff down your throat, all right? You need to learn to think and study for yourself. And so I'm going to present you with two options today, and you can take it how you want it, okay? Whichever side you land on does not matter. These thoughts don't determine Orthodox Protestant Christianity, so you're fine. Whichever one you choose. Are you ready? Yeah? You ready? All right, here we go. So quite a bit of what I'm talking about today revolves around this word fruit. Do you see I have it underlined up there? The word fruit. Now notice it does not say fruits, does it? I always say fruits. So pray for me, all right? The Bible says fruit, but I say fruits, all right? Now, one way to interpret this is that Paul is only talking about one fruit, which is one way to, talk, to interpret this. However, you can also use the word fruit to mean many fruit. For example, wow, mom, look at all this fruit we get to eat. You understand? You know what I'm saying? So, is it one fruit with all of these attributes, or is it nine different fruit? That's kind of what we're looking at. Now, the real question is, does it really matter? No, it doesn't. Okay? It doesn't matter at all. So, your, your salvation does not hinge on this issue, all right? In the end, what really matters is that the Holy Spirit will cultivate these character traits in your life if you will keep in step with the Spirit. Amen? That's really what matters here. However, why don't we just indulge ourselves for a moment? All right? Get some rich, decadent chocolate, and let's just go for it. I mean, chocolate, strawberries, you know, chocolate with your fruits of the Spirit. Okay. If we choose the first one, which says singular fruit... What does that look like? So some scholars say that the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then he lists the eight ways that love manifests itself. Now, is this idea consistent with Scripture? And what does the Bible have to actually say about love? And here's another question for you. Is there another list in Scripture, perhaps by the same author, Paul, that talks about love. Anybody, come on. Is there another list in Scripture anywhere that tells us, starting to connect, starting to connect. All right. I think there is. Let's go there now and check it out. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is what they call the love chapter. This is what gets read at tons of weddings, okay? And look at Paul going and making another list. Paul was a list maker. Now, all of the <laughs> all of the list makers today say, yay! yay. Ooh, you're so excited. Now all of the non-list makers say, uh. Got everybody present at this moment. So let's compare these two lists that Paul has made for us and see what we get. So as we look at this list, we are looking, help me, we're going to do a little Bible study this morning. Is that all right? As we're looking at this list up here, we are looking for the fruits of the Spirit in this list. Now, right off the bat, do you see in this list any fruits? Anybody? You see it? 
love is patient and kind. Now, this morning we're gonna we're not since since we're not talking about love, because the idea is that love is the fruit of the spirit, and then all of the other attributes are attributes of love. That's the idea we're looking at right now. So we see right now, what do we see? Patience and kindness. Right off the bat, before we ever go any further, we already have two fruits of the Spirit and Paul's definition of love. So how about we make our own list? Yeah? All right, here we go. Fruits of list, uh, fruits that are listed in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, we have patience and kindness already. See it? So if these are all manifestations of love, then how many do we have left? Six. We have six. We're not, again, we're not talking about love. We're talking about all the attributes. So we have six left. Let's keep going. Let's keep, let's keep looking for Waldo, okay? Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude, but I have it underlined. It does not insist on its own way. Now, let me ask you, what kind of a person insists on their own way? Selfish person. Yeah, that's right. Now, a now, what kind of a person does not insist on their own way? Gentle, meek, or humble. A humble person is not a selfish person. They are a selfless person when you're humble. Gentleness. Now, you see gentle, meek, and humble, right? And gentleness, all three of those are listed in the different translations of the Bible. Gentleness in this is in this fruit, in this list as fruit, is translated into all of these terms in different translations of the Bible. So we're just going to say gentleness. How's that sound? All right? Are you following me? You still with me? Patience, kindness, and gentleness is in this list. And let's go back to the list and look one more time. So it says it is not insist on its own way. And it is not irritable or resentful. Please don't look at anybody this morning, okay? It is not irritable or resentful. In my life, when I have experienced irritability or resentment, I have had a lack of something in my life. And I needed it desperately. If I had this thing in my life, my irritability and my resentfulness would have disappeared. In fact, it did disappear when I got this thing in my life. And this thing that I'm talking about is peace. Amen? If you're a peaceful person, you're not an irritable person, are you? You're not a resentful person. You're at peace. Now, if all of these are manifestations of love, how many do we have left? Let's keep going. Looking for Waldo again. And it says, It is not irritable or resentful, and love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. The Bible has a term for people who care about injustices and wrongdoings. And these people are called righteous people. These people are called good people. They care about people who get done wrong. They're righteous. So, Goodness, there's another fruit of the Spirit. And of all of these are manifestations of love, how many do we have left? Three. All right, we're still going with our Bible study. Let's keep going. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Now, when you rejoice with the truth, you are rejoicing, and you cannot really rejoice without... I heard somebody say that. 
joy. That's right. You can't rejoice. Charles, you get a star, buddy. You get a little star on that. Now, if these are all manifestations of love, how many do we have left? Two. Let's keep going. All right. But uh, rejoices with the truth and love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, most of the time when you are an when you are enduring and when you are bearing in love, you are resisting the temptation to leave, to smack somebody over the head, or whatever, right? When you're enduring in love, somebody's testing you, ain't they? Somebody's trying you, ain't they? And you're and you're having to not do something Usually. So, this, when you're doing this, you are using self-control. All right. So we've got all these there, all these manifestations of love. How many do we have left? One. one more. Only one left. Is it there? Let's look. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things. Ain't that a beautiful verse? But I don't see it. I don't see the last one. Hold on. Ah, go down to verse 8. And it ends right there at the very beginning. Love never ends. So, if love never ends and is consistent, then it is a faithful love, isn't it? So there we have it. Faithfulness. So we see that all of the manifestations of love exist in the love chapter. When Paul says, this is what love is. I want to know what love is. Right? You know that song? When Paul says, if you sing that song, Paul says, here's your answer. This is what love is. So we see all the manifestations of love right here in this chapter. So here is how some scholars interpret this Galatians 5, 22-23, which is the fruit of the Spirit. They say this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the manifestations of love are joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Are you following me this morning? Is it making sense? Yes. Actually learn a little bit of theology today. Pat yourself on the back. I can't reach my back. I'm very inflexible. Now, you may reject this interpretation. That's perfectly fine. No big deal, okay? I just wanted to show it to you and let you make up your own mind. Either way, this is an open-handed issue. Okay? doesn't matter. The idea that matters is that God will develop these fruit in you. That's the important thing. I wanted to show it to you, though, because I thought it was kind of cool. Am I wrong? Was it kind of cool? Kind of cool? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just a nerd. Okay. I show you this because I want you to study the Bible for yourself. I don't want you to make up your own mind on some of these things. Now, you do, <clears throat> I don't want you to just depend on me to spoon feed you everything. I want you to learn to study the Bible for yourself. Now, there's lots of open-handed issues, lots of open-handed interpretations in the Bible that don't affect Orthodox Protestant Christianity. They don't affect your salvation. They don't affect any of those things. And I encourage you to look at them, talk about them, because it, it, you know, it helps you to be stronger in your faith. However, there are some things that are closed-handed. Okay, there are some things in your faith that are closed-handed in the Bible, such as 
John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is close-handed. Jesus is God. I am not God. Jesus is God. There is no other gods. You can worship other gods, sure. But he is the one. And this is a close-handed deal. This is not open-handed, all right? This is one of those things where this is important for your salvation. This is very important. Jesus is God. We are not. And when we start to cross over the boundary and say something else is God, or I'm, you know, I'm God, then what happens is we're getting into idolatry, which is condemned in both the New and the Old Testaments. All right? You follow me today? Do you understand what I'm talking to you about? And so I encourage you to study the Bible and look for open-handed issues and closed-handed. But these are important. So let's look back at the fruit one more time. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you decide to look at fruit as plural instead of singular, that's fine too. Okay? Either way, the Holy Spirit cultivates this fruit in us. So with our remaining time together, I want to talk about love. Okay? The very first fruit or it is the whole fruit whichever it is whichever you choose love agape is the word for love it's the greek word agape or agapeo the greek word used all over the bible for love now there are four kinds of love in the bible and there is agape phileo storge and eros now some of you like i don't hear about this we're going to go through it just bear with me for a moment and then we'll get to some good stuff Storge is affectionate love, all right? This love exists naturally between family members and friends. you got a family member that you just love them because they're a part of your family, that's Storge, okay? That's what that is. It's warm, unforced love shown between spouses or parents and children. Now, we move to another kind of love. It's Eros. This is, what, this, is this sexual, passionate love, all right? The Song of Solomon paints the best example of this love. If you read it, God created this love. He did. And uh, just as he created all the other sides of love, he created this. And it is important within a marriage relationship. But the Bible also warns against eros outside of the husband and wife marriage relationship. Now, phileo love. This is brotherly love, okay? Um, the type, you know... you. Phileo, phileo fish. Okay. This type of love is most often shown with close friendships. Close friendships. It's a generous and affectionate love that seeks to make the other person happy with no expectation for the acts of kindness to be returned. A good example of this in the Bible is David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan. They, that's, that's phileo love, all right? Um, they are one of the Bible's best examples. Now, ladies... Raise your hand if you got a BFF. That's phileo, all right? That, that, that other person is your phileo fish, all right? Guys, for guys, it's not a BFF. It's a brother from another mother, right? Bam, you, you, you do that. You're, you're partners. That's what it is. That's, that's, that's phileo is what that is. That's brotherly love, all right? And sometimes men and women, men and, and women they show love differently, right? Man might show love to his best friend by putting him in a headlock. Who knows, you know? You ever see if somebody gives somebody noogies and like, why are you doing it? Because I love you, man. Try doing it to your wife, see how that goes. <laughs> Don't try it. That was bad advice. Don't try it. 
all of those other forms of love, okay? Now we get down to the one we're talking about. Agape. Agapeo. This is sacrificial love. This is the most noble and powerful type of love because it is an act of the will. Christ showed us agape love when he died on the cross for us. Sacrificing himself so that we can know eternal life and we can have salvation. And scripture tells us this, John 15 and 13, this is the essence of agape. Greater love has no... Can y'all just read this out loud? Read this. I want to hear you read it out loud. One, two, three, go. Greater love has no man. powerful words to be spoken out loud. This is true sacrificial love. This is true agape. This is agape love. And this is what Paul was speaking about when he said that love is the fruit of the Spirit. So what I want to do this morning, um, Jacob, go ahead. We're going to take a few moments and we're going to meditate and think about the agape love that God showed us this morning. And uh, so, <clears throat> this morning, pray about what we just talked about. I want you to begin to meditate and think about the, the blood of Jesus. The sacrifice that was given to us.
you just take this time until this song ends to pray and spend time with the Lord. If there's anything in your heart you need to get right with Him, go ahead and pray. That's exactly what that love is. It's self-sacrificing love. Yes. And that's what we experienced. Well, that's what we just celebrated just then. Yes. Was exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. And if you're here this morning and you have not accepted the precious gift that he has given you, I encourage you to do so. We'll have time here in just a few moments if you want to do that. But I want to continue. I want to continue this morning, and we're talking about agape love, unconditional love that we just celebrated in that, in that, in that beautiful. They call it a love feast back then. Now many people have storge and they have phileo and they have eros, but it is rare for somebody to have agape. Very rare today. Have you ever wanted to shut somebody out of your life because you don't like them? That's not agape love. Now I know that you can reason, but you know what? They did this to me and they did that to me, so I want to shut them out. Now I'm not advocating for a lack of boundaries because you need to have boundaries in your life, but to completely shut someone out of your life because you don't like them. or for, That's not agape love. And I get it. There are moments when you get you, you know, they might use you for only what you could do for them or provide for them. Why should you continue to show them love? Why? They mistreated me. Why should I continue to treat them well? I will tell you why. Because it is exactly what God does to us. Every last one of us in here. He 
is your father. You are living in his world. This is his. It, we talk about the church being his house. It is his house. It is his temple. But in reality, the entire planet is God's house. God's house, God's rules. Amen. You're living in his world. Now, how many times have you disobeyed him, ignored him, lashed out at him, or hurt one of his own children? Yet he still continues to love you day in and day out. He continues to provide air for you to breathe. Everybody take a deep breath. Breathe out. That was given to you by God. He provides food for you to eat, water for you to drink, and a remarkable planet, all of which to do this on. He is generous provider. Every breath that you take was given by Him. He is constantly, every single moment, giving to you. Amen. You agree with this. He is good, isn't He? Even though I'm not so good to Him sometimes, He continues to be good to me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you try to keep score, you don't want to. You're going to be back, you're bankrupt before you ever even pick up the pen, okay? God loves you unconditionally. That's agape love is what that is. That's a love that really don't keep score. Now, I know that's hard for us to do that, but that's the very first fruit of the Spirit, if not all of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, when's the last time that you did somebody for someone without expecting something in return? You'll have to say it out loud. I'm asking you to think in your heart about this. God is doing it now on an immense level for all of mankind. At this very moment. Let's take it even further. When's the last time that you showed love to someone who hurt you? That is true, God may love. And God is doing it at this very moment. We hurt him every day with our decisions. If you really put your mind to work and just try to imagine loving somebody who killed your son. Imagine that. I've seen it done. Um, I'm not saying that it's not doable. I've seen it done. But what I am saying is that it ain't easy. It's hard. I've seen... Literally see people get on the news and tell the person who killed their child, I forgive you. Now that's hard to do. So it's possible to love, have agape and unconditional love. But agape is unconditional love. If that's the case, what's the opposite of agape? It's hate. It's self-protection and abuse. That's the opposite. Now, we can see the effects of hatred all throughout our planet right now, all throughout history, the Holocaust, all of these horrible racism, all of these horrible atrocities. That's hatred, folks. And if you feel yourself beginning to hate someone, then these are alarms that your fruit is falling far from the tree. And I'm going to tell you something. I know what it feels like when I begin to hate someone. I know what it feels like. I can recognize that in my heart. 
When you feel this, it is time to repent and go the other direction, okay? I know this ain't too fun to hear, but I'm, I'm speaking some truth this morning. When you have this feeling of hatred in your heart, it's time to repent and go the other way. It's time to repent and seek God. Seek forgiveness even from the person who is the object of your hatred. And if we're not careful, here's how this can work. Hurt can lead to hatred. We get hurt and we begin to resent someone for what they did and that festers and gets all nasty inside of us and eventually turns into hatred. And the cure for them and for you is always forgiveness. It's forgiveness. If there's anything I learned in Celebrate Recovery, it's that. Do I have any Celebrate Recovery alumni in here this morning? Let me see your hands. Yeah! Give them a round of applause, church. Now, hatred can be easy to spot in our lives, but there is something a little more insidious and sneaky that can get a hold of us if we're not careful, and that's counterfeit fruit. Counterfeit fruit is what we can get when we try to take God out of the process. Now, I've talked about the spiritual disciplines and how they help us to make room for God to work in our lives so that he can grow the fruit. But you have to be careful with this because you can also use the spiritual disciplines to produce counterfeit fruit. Okay? For instance, many of the things that Jesus did, the Pharisees did also. Jesus prayed, the Pharisees prayed. Jesus read scripture, the Pharisees read scripture. Jesus attended temple, the Pharisees attended temple. Jesus fasted, the Pharisees fasted. Yet of all of the people that Jesus condemned the most, it was the Pharisees. And they did all these spiritual disciplines, but it produced counterfeit fruit. Are you following me? The problem is that sometimes counterfeit fruit can look like real fruit. And Jesus, he knew the difference. And the way that he knew the difference was not looking at the surface, but looking at the heart. Jesus knew he could look at people's hearts. He could look at their motives. He could look at why they did what they did. He knew their hearts. So counterfeit fruit has a selfish motive, not an agape motive. It is selfish in its motive. What does counterfeit fruit of love look like? It's selfish affection. It treats someone well because of how they make you feel. Ain't that sneaky? Ask yourself this very, very hard question. Would I keep showing love to this person if I got absolutely nothing out of it? That is unconditional love. In other words, do you love them simply for who they are or for what they do for you? The prodigal son is the best example that I can think of in Scripture. And some of you, you have children who have ripped your heart out and stomped on it. But you continue to show them love. That is unconditional agape love. When you think about the prodigal son... The son came up to him and he said, Dad, I want all of your money, but I don't want you. 
I want everything you got, but I, want, I don't want nothing to do with you. And the father in his love said, okay. And he gave him his inheritance. He ran off and he went. He blew every bit of it. And when he came back to his dad, dad was standing there looking out the window. And the moment he got in sight, he didn't know whether his son was repentant. He didn't know why his son was back. His son could have been back dead all want more money. He didn't know why his son was there yet. He had no idea. But he took out running to his son. He yanked up his skirt or whatever it was that they wore back then. And he took off running. It was undignified for someone to do that. But he did not care. He couldn't get to his son fast enough. I even know what his son was going to say or do. He just loved him unconditionally. That's unconditional love. And he loved him. Why? Because of what he did for him? No, because of who he was. Right? Who he was. That's the love that God has for you. He loves you because of who you are. Not what you can do for him. So, Jacob, I'm going to ask you, play that song I ask you. I need to, uh, this song playing off of Apple Music there. You don't have to pull down. Yeah, I guess maybe you do. Never mind. Sometimes at first it can be hard to tell, but you know what can help? A list. A list can help you out. And so I told you the lists were helpful. Today we're going to create a list. We're going to begin creating a list. I don't know if you can see this or not. You have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. The opposite, which is hate. And your counterfeit fruit, which is selfish affection. We're going to take some time to create a list. And I'm not showing you this list so that you can go around inspecting other people's fruit. That's not what I'm doing this, okay? You see, the Bible is a book of self-awareness. It is a book that when you read it, you find yourself somewhere in that. And I'm going to tell you, to be honest with you, I really, really, really 
to think that when I read the Gospels, I'm Jesus, but most of the time I'm Judas. Loving Jesus so what I can get out of it. That's what Judas did. He followed Jesus for what he could get out of it, didn't he? In the end, he sold Jesus. So ask yourself this week, is my fruit real or is my fruit counterfeit? I'm going to try to create a list for you to actually examine your heart. Examine your fruit and see if it's real or if it's fake. So what I want to do right now, you hear this song playing, it says, I want to make room. That's what we're talking about all this time is making room for God in your life. And there's something that we have been dancing around for a while. It's this idea of sanctification. And in church, in church world, you don't hear that very often. In our tradition here at the Church of God of Prophecy, we have kind of a three-step process that the Holy Spirit is supposed to take you through. Can I tell you, I've never heard this anywhere else. I've looked at other, other, other combinations. You go to the Assembly of God, There's you get saved and you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You go to these not not missional churches, you get saved and you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You go to, uh, if you go to the Baptist church, you get saved. Nowhere have I heard this idea that it's taught in our tradition, the Church of God prophecy, of being saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. It's just here. And I may be wrong, somebody can correct me. For a little while, I was like, that's weird. I don't like being weird. But now, I kind of like being weird. We don't talk about sanctification. But this is it. This is it. And so what is it? What do we do? What is sanctification exactly? It is, what I have learned, is an initial deal where you come up here in these altars and you say, okay, God, I am saved. I've given my heart to you. I've given my life to you. You know, I've given, but now I've received life from you in my salvation, but now in my sanctification, I'm going to give my life to you. Does that make sense? Salvation, I receive eternal life. Sanctification, I give God my life. We don't go that far in church these days. We receive, but we don't give. And so, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes this morning. We're going to have an altar call. Are you alright with that? Bow your heads. Close your eyes this morning. If you want to be sanctified this morning, that's what we're going to call it. That's what our church calls it. If you want to begin this journey of sanctification, now you need to understand, it starts today, but it goes on until the day you die. It is a continuous thing every single day. But today, you say, I want to begin this process of setting myself apart for God's work. That's actually what sanctification is. Setting yourself apart for a life with God. If that's what you want this morning, I'm going to ask you to step out and come up here. You don't have to get on your knees.
stand up, you can get on your knees, whatever you want to do. I'm going to ask you to be bold this morning because sanctification requires boldness. You may be sitting here this morning thinking, I, I, I'm saved, but I don't know if I'm sanctified or not. I've never taken that step. I'm inviting you to take that step this morning. If you would like to be sanctified, please come up. Thank you, sis. Come up this morning. I'll give just a few more moments for a response. seconds this morning. I want you to begin to think and begin to pray. I want you to listen if the Holy Spirit is pulling you up here this morning. This is a dedication of your life to the Lord. That's what this step is. When you take a step of sanctification, that's what's going on this morning. I'm going to invite you to come up this morning. I'm going to count to 20, 19, 18, 17, thank you, sis. 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, and 10 seconds, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, still got time, 3, 2, Thank you, church. We have three up here that want to dedicate their lives to the Lord in sanctification. Want to, as that song said, they want to make room for God in their lives. Not just accept, but begin to give. Begin to live for Him. Begin to set aside the sin that so easily besets us. So I'll, let me explain this to us. What we're doing today, the step you're taking today, is saying, God, I'm committing myself to clean up my life as best as I can. But I can't do it alone. I need you to help me take this step this morning. I need you to help me take this step. And so it is a, it is a thing where we work together. And let me tell you something this morning, ladies. You're going to fail at times. You hear me? There's going to be times you're going to mess up. You're going to fall. But don't lay down. Don't stay down. You get up again and you keep going. That is the process of sanctification. Amen. Huh? It's purification. It is. Hallelujah. Church, stand with me. Stretch your hands towards these this morning. We're praying. Can you pray with me this morning, ladies? Repeat after me. Dear Lord, I give you my life. You have given your life for me. And now I'm giving it back to you. I pray today that you sanctify me. That you fill this temple with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live a godly life. For you, this morning, for you this morning and the rest of my life. I invite you in to every moment and of every day. Fill it with you. 
I thank you, Jesus, for the work that's going to take place in me and through me. And I dedicate myself to you. In Jesus' name. Can we have a round of applause this morning? What's happened this morning is not something that has happened in all five years that I've been here. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I don't talk about sanctification much. Bad boy, bad boy. It's something that's important in our lives. And it's something it's important to the church got a prophecy. That's why we teach it. And that is exactly what I've been teaching here. And what we're going to continue to learn about. How to let our lives be a conduit for the Lord. Love this morning, church. While Tracy is up here, I want to um, we want to pray for her. Are you okay? Yes, when you pray, I'm starting treatments tomorrow. And I know God's going to get me through this. I feel His healing me. Yeah. It just, I don't want to be sick. I want to still be able to worship Him. Amen. Every day. Amen. Just give me the strength just to worship Him. Yes. Amen. Everybody that's willing to, let's come up. Can we surrender? Surround Him in love this morning. I'm going to invite everybody to come up. It's faithful, this church. That translates to faith. If you have faith this morning, you have faith. I'm asking you to step up this morning. Step up this morning.
That's true. You're sanctified. You won't backbite your brother. You 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 won't uh, do some of these things he's having to get us out of because we've got ourselves in a mess through the flesh. Uh, and it's an experience. It's not a growing thing. It is growing, but you've got to get your experience first or you'll never grow. Uh, that's what I tried to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't ever say what I want to. My mouth is right. Here's another thing. That's what I want to say a while ago. You don't get the real Holy Ghost filled with the Spirit without sanctification. That's right. That's right. He won't come into an unclean temple. That's right. That's right. And you've got to get the temple cleansed. That, that, besides forgiveness, you got to get cleansed of that nature to sin. Broke, the power broke. You won't ever leave. It'll be there. That's why you have to repent every now and then. <laughs> but that ain't every minute and every day. Don't live in sin. Right. That's right. She got it. You love him this morning, church? Yes. Continue loving him. Continue leaning into him. Let's pray. Let's pray for those who need prayer this week. Pray for those who committed their lives to sanctification today, for a cleansing. Uh, this is a process that God will do, but it's part. It's also a process that we have to participate in as well. It's you and God working together. God does most of the work. He does. And I'm working. Love church. Brother Prince, you dismiss Father, we come before you again in Jesus' name, asking you, God. First of all, we want to thank you for what we've heard, what we felt, for your presence today. Thank you, Lord, for truth. And God, we ask you to bless our people, to give them all strength. Be, go with each one today and protect them and keep them and bring them back next Sunday. In Jesus. grocery list. <laughs> now, let me see your hand this morning. Just a moment of, a moment of honesty. If you are a list maker, let me see your hand. All right, we got some list makers in the house. I'm not alone. Um, now, I want to see your hand. I want you to be real with me this morning. Do you, how many of you this morning have a list of your lists? Nobody goes that far? Okay, good. I was going to say, you need prayer. We may have prayer for you today. That's going too far. So I, I actually want to know, those of you who, who raised your hands, why, and you just, you know, you just talk out, why do you have, why do you keep lists? 
Can you think of anybody? Those of you that raised your hand, speak out. Why do you keep a list? Because Charles says I need privileges. Okay, all right. Just to keep you from forgetting things. Yeah. Yeah. Having trouble remembering anybody else? Why do you keep? Why do you have a list? Why do you keep? Exactly what I go in there for. All right. Good. Good. All right. So, same here. It it helps me to remember the things that I would forget. Now, what? Here's something else. Though. Let me let me run this by. When I put something on a list, it gives me permission to stop thinking about that thing. Did you know that? It, it, uh, and an added bonus is that it frees my mind up so that I can think about other things. Now, there are people in, in, who are very good at multitasking. They can have lots of things going on in their head at the same time. I'm not one of the dudes. That's not me. I'm not a guy who can multitask very good. So when I write something down that I know I'm going to have to try to do later, it frees my mind up to focus on other things. And, and some of us have got so many mental loops going on in our head that we can't keep up with anything because we've got so much stuff going on in our head. Now, also, maybe you need to think about this. If you're one of these people who don't write things down, but you just keep things in your head all of the time, all of these mental loops that you try to keep going in your head, they are causing major, major stress in your life. Did you know that? Because you're trying desperately to remember the thing that if you would have just wrote down, you would have remembered in the first place. Now, I know you're sitting here thinking, why are we talking about this? This is church. You're talking about lists. Just hang with me for a minute. But I want to say, I want to say that some of you, if you would just learn to write down some things, your stress level would go down in life. All right? That's worth the price of admission right there this morning. There's a book called Getting Things Done by David Allen. And I read this book quite a while ago. It's a productivity book. It's not a Christian book, so I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to read this book. But it, what it does is it helps you get a system going in your life um, to help you... Well, get things done. That's the name of the book, right? So that's what it, it helps you get a system going in your life to get things done. Now, one of the very first things that David Allen teaches you to do is to write everything down. When it comes to your head, write it down. If it's a thought that you want to maybe pursue later on, write it down. If it's a task you have to go do later on, write it down. If it's a date you have to remember, write it down. He calls it capturing. Capturing the ideas and thoughts is what he calls it, literally calls it that, which is actually kind of biblical, isn't it? Because it was St. Paul who said, taking every thought captive. He talks about taking thoughts captive. Though I don't think Paul was talking about productivity, I do, however, think Paul was speaking of freedom when he talked about taking your thoughts captive. And so... Taking your thoughts captive can bring freedom to relax if you will capture your ideas, thoughts, and your tasks. It gives you freedom to move on to something else. you agree with that? Are you with me this morning? Yeah. Have I already put you to sleep? No. Okay, awesome. There's coffee, I think, still back there. Anyway, if you can put it on a list where you know you will not forget it, then you can release your brain to accomplish more work. I desperately don't need a heavy load on my brain, all right? Now, I'm not here to sell productivity books for David Allen or for anybody else, but I am wanting us to look at the fact that David Allen, a productivity expert, and St. Paul, 
are both list makers. So again, those of you who are list makers, you're in the, you're in the same category as Paul. And Jesus actually had lists too, actually. So Paul made several lists in his letters to the churches. And last week we went over one of these lists, and this, it was called a list that was called the works of the flesh. You remember that from last week? Which, by the way, if you would like to follow along today, we are on the Bible app. You can keep up with everything that's going on today. And, and if you missed last week and you would like to catch up, we have a podcast that you can access through the Bible app. And um, that, that podcast has every sermon in this series from January up till now. So if you want to catch up, it's there. Um, last week we went over the, week, the works of the flesh. And this week we're going to look at a few more lists of Paul's. And um, so some of you list makers, you're like, yeah, let's go, right? And, and, the, and the rest of you are like, shoot me now. So I could do either one of those. I'm not going to do that. However... The good thing about this is that this is not really a to-do list that we're going to look at today. This is a list of benefits that we receive from following Jesus. So this is kind of like a Christmas list. So you might get excited about this, all of you non-list makers in the house. You're like, okay, this is something I get to get. It's really hard sometimes, actually, around Christmas time to get a Christmas list from your kids. You know that? You ever experienced that? You got to wrestle a list out of them. I just went sideways. Rabbit trail. I'm coming back. But he's, he's talking to something that we can look forward to as we spend our lives in relationship with our Creator. Now, if you've heard me talk about this list before, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we're looking at today. Today, we're going to go kind of into detail with the fruit of the Spirit. So let's start out by taking at this look at this list one more time. Last week we were in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. This week it's the very next verse, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Again, this is an amazing list. Amen? Why are we still here, Pastor? We have been here for a very long time. And I know. What is so important about this list that we keep hanging around this list? I will tell you. What you see in this particular list is the complete picture of a mature follower of Jesus. That's what you see when you look at that list up there. So in essence, the fruit of the Spirit is the North Star for all followers of Jesus. This is what our character is supposed to look like. If you ever had a checklist, this is your checklist. This is the Christian checklist to see if your life lines up. Amen? Amen. You can use this list to actually see where you need growth and attention in your life. Now this is what we're supposed to look like when God's work is complete in us. And he said he would complete the work that he started in us, didn't he? That's in, that's in the Bible. Now, to become more like Jesus is to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. You and I, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we begin to be more like him, the more you're going to see this stuff manifest itself in your life. The more you're going to have love. The more you're going to have joy. The more you're going to have peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I said many things in that list that I lack as your pastor. 
Now, biblical scholars, they have two different opinions on this passage, and today I'm going to give you both. We're going to look at both of them, and I'm going to let you make up your own mind, okay? I'm not going to tell you which one that you should think, because I think you should learn to think. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say, you need to learn how to think. You need to learn how to think about the Bible. Don't just come in here and let me shove stuff down your throat, all right? You need to learn to think and study for yourself. And so I'm going to present you with two options today, and you can take it how you want it, okay? Whichever side you land on does not matter. These thoughts don't determine Orthodox Protestant Christianity, so you're fine. Whichever one you choose. Are you ready? Yeah? You ready? All right, here we go. So quite a bit of what I'm talking about today revolves around this word fruit. Do you see I have it underlined up there? The word fruit. Now notice it does not say fruits, does it? I always say fruits. So pray for me, all right? The Bible says fruit, but I say fruits, all right? Now, one way to interpret this is that Paul is only talking about one fruit, which is one way to, talk, to interpret this. However, you can also use the word fruit to mean many fruit. For example, wow, mom, look at all this fruit we get to eat. You understand? You know what I'm saying? So, is it one fruit with all of these attributes or is it nine different fruit? That's kind of what we're looking at. Now, the real question is, does it really matter? No, it doesn't. Okay? It doesn't matter at all. So your, your salvation does not hinge on this issue, all right? In the end, what really matters is that the Holy Spirit will cultivate these character traits in your life if you will keep in step with the Spirit. Amen? That's really what matters here. However, why don't we just indulge ourselves for a moment, all right? Get some rich, decadent chocolate, and let's just go for it. I'll make chocolate, strawberries, you know, chocolate with your fruits of the Spirit. Okay. If we choose the first one, which says singular fruit, what does that look like? So some scholars say that the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then he lists the eight ways that love manifests itself. Now, is this idea consistent with Scripture? And what does the Bible have to actually say about love? And here's another question for you. Is there another list in Scripture, perhaps by the same author, Paul, that talks about love? Anybody, come on. Is there another list in Scripture anywhere that tells us, starting to connect, starting to connect? All right. I think there is. Let's go there now and check it out. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is what they call the love chapter. This is what gets read at tons of weddings, okay? And look at Paul going and making another list. Paul was a list maker. Now, all of the <laughs> All of the list makers today say, yay! yay. Ooh, you're so excited. <laughs> now, all of the non-list makers say, uh. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay, now I've got everybody present at this moment. So, let's compare these two lists that Paul has made for us and see what we get. So, as we look at this list, we are looking... 
Help me. We're going to do a little Bible study this morning. Is that all right? As we're looking at this list up here, we are looking for the fruits of the Spirit in this list. Now, right off the bat, do you see in this list any fruits? Anybody? You see it? Love is patient and kind. Now, this morning we're going to, we're not, since, since we're not talking about love, because the idea is that love is the fruit of the Spirit, and then all of the other attributes are attributes of love. That's the idea we're looking at right now. So we see right now, what do we see? Patience and kindness. Right off the bat, before we ever go any further, we already have two fruits of the Spirit and Paul's definition of love. So how about we make our own list? Yeah? All right, here we go. Fruits of list, uh, fruits that are listed in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, we have patience and kindness already. You see it? So if these are all manifestations of love, then how many do we have left? Six. We have six. We're not, again, we're not talking about love. We're talking about all the attributes. So we have six left. Let's keep going. Let's keep, let's keep looking for Waldo, okay? Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude, but I have it underlined. It does not insist on its own way. Now, let me ask you, what kind of a person insists on their own way? Selfish. A selfish person. Yeah, that's right. Now, a, now, what kind of a person does not insist on their own way? Gentle, meek, or humble. A humble person is not a selfish person. They are a selfless person when you're humble. Gentleness. Now, you see gentle, meek, and humble, right? And gentleness, all three of those are listed in the different translations of the Bible. Gentleness in this is in this fruit, in this list as fruit, is translated into all of these terms in different translations of the Bible. So we're just going to say gentleness. How's that sound? Alright? Are you following me? Are you still with me? Patience, kindness, and gentleness is in this list. And let's go back to the list and look one more time. So it says it is not insist on its own way, and it is not irritable. Or resentful. Please don't look at anybody this morning, okay? It is not irritable or resentful. In my life, when I have experienced irritability or resentment, I have had a lack of something in my life. And I needed it desperately. If I had this thing in my life, my irritability and my resentfulness would have disappeared. In fact, it did disappear when I got this thing in my life. And this thing that I'm talking about is peace. Amen? Amen. If you're a peaceful person, you're not an irritable person, are you? You're not a resentful person. You're at peace. Now, if all of these are manifestations of love, how many do we have left? Four. Let's keep going, looking for Waldo again. And it says, it is not irritable or resentful, and love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. The Bible has a term for people who care about injustices and wrongdoings. And these people are called righteous people. These people are called good people. They care about people who get done wrong. They're righteous. So, 
goodness. There's another fruit of the Spirit. And of all of these are manifestations of love, how many do we have left? Three. All right, we're still going with our Bible study. Let's keep going. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Now, when you rejoice with the truth, you are rejoicing, and you cannot really rejoice without... I heard somebody say it before I clicked it. Joy, that's right. You can't rejoice. Charles, you get a star, buddy. You get a little star on that. Now, if these are all manifestations of love, how many do we have left? Two. Let's keep going. All right. But uh, rejoices with the truth, and love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, most of the time when you are an when you are enduring and when you are bearing in love, you are resisting the temptation to leave, to smack somebody over the head, or whatever, right? When you're enduring in love, somebody's testing you, ain't they? Somebody's trying you, ain't they? And you're and you're having to not do something Usually. So, this, when you're doing this, you are using self-control. Self Alright. So we've got all these depth, all these manifestations of love. How many do we have left? One more. One more. Only one left. Is it there? Let's look. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things. Ain't that a beautiful verse? But I don't see it. I don't see the last one. Hold on. Ah, go down to verse 8. And it ends right there at the very beginning. Love never ends. So, if love never ends and is consistent, then it is a faithful love, isn't it? So there we have it. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. So we see that all of the manifestations of love exist in the love chapter. When Paul says, this is what love is. I want to know what love is. Right? You know that song? When Paul says, <laughs> you sing that song, Paul says, here's your answer. This is what love is. So we see all the manifestations of love right here in this chapter. So here is how some scholars interpret this Galatians 5, 22 through 23, which is the fruit of the Spirit. They say this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the manifestations of love are joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Are you following me this morning? Is it making sense? Yes. Actually, learn a little bit of theology today. Pat yourself on the back. Can't reach my back. I'm very inflexible. Now, you may reject this interpretation. That's perfectly fine. No big deal, okay? I just wanted to show it to you and let you make up your own mind. Either way, this is an open handed issue, okay? Doesn't matter. The idea that matters is that God will develop these fruit in you. That's the important thing. I wanted to show it to you, though, because I thought it was kind of cool. Am I wrong? Was it kind of cool? Kind of cool? Yeah, maybe. Okay, I'm just a nerd. Okay. I show you this because I want you to study the Bible for yourself. And I want you to make up your own mind on some of these things. Now, you do, <clears throat> I don't want you to just depend on me to spoon feed you everything. I want you to learn to study the Bible for yourself. Now, there's lots of open-handed issues, lots of open-handed interpretations in the Bible that don't affect Orthodox Protestant Christianity. They don't affect your salvation. They don't affect any of those things. 
And I encourage you to look at them, talk about them, because it, it, you know, it helps you to be stronger in your faith. However, there are some things that are close-handed, okay? There are some things in your faith that are close-handed in the Bible, such as John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is close-handed. Jesus is God. I am not God. Right. Jesus is God. There is no other gods. You can worship other gods, sure, but he is the one. And this is a close-handed deal. This is not open-handed, all right? This is one of those things where this is important for your salvation. This is very important. Jesus is God. We are not. And when we start to cross over the boundary and say something else is God, or I'm, you know, I'm God, then what happens is we're getting into idolatry, which is condemned in both the New and the Old Testaments. All right? You follow me today? Do you understand what I'm talking to you about? And so I encourage you to study the Bible and look for open-handed issues and close-handed. But these are important. So let's look back at the fruit one more time. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you decide to look at fruit as plural instead of singular, that's fine too. Okay? Either way, the Holy Spirit cultivates this fruit in us. So with our remaining time together, I want to talk about love. Okay? The very first Fruit, or it is the whole fruit, whichever it is, whichever you choose. Love. Agape is the word for love. It's the Greek word. Agape or agapeo, the Greek word used all over the Bible for love. Now, there are four kinds of love in the Bible. And there is agape, phileo, storge, and eros. Now, some of you like, I don't want to hear about all this. We're going to go through it. Just bear with me for a moment, and then we'll get to some good stuff. Storge is affectionate love. All right? This love exists naturally between family members and friends. You got a family member that you just love them because they're a part of your family? That's Storge. Okay? That's what that is. It's warm, unforced love shown between spouses or parents and children. Now, we move to another kind of love. It's Eros. This is what, this is this sexual, passionate love. All right? The Song of Solomon paints the best example of this love. If you read it, God created this love. He did. And uh, just as he created all the other sides of love, he created this. And it's important within a marriage relationship. But the Bible also warns against eros outside of the husband and wife marriage relationship. Now, phileo love. This is brotherly love, okay? Um, the type, you know, you, phileo, phileo fish. Okay. This type of love is most often shown with close friendships. Close friendships. It's a generous and affectionate love that seeks to make the other person happy with no expectation for the acts of kindness to be returned. A good example of this in the Bible is David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan. They, that's, that's phileo love, all right? Um, they are. One of the Bible's best examples. Now, ladies, raise your hand if you got a BFF. That's phileo, all right? That, that other person is your phileo fish, all right? Guys, for guys, it's not a BFF. It's a brother from another mother, right? Bam, you, you, you do that. You're, you're partners. That's what it is. That's, that's, that's phileo is what that is. That's brotherly love, all right? And sometimes men and women, men and, and women they show love differently, right? 
A man might show love to his best friend by putting him in a headlock. Who knows, you know? You ever see if somebody gives somebody nuggies, you're like, why are you doing it? Because I love you, man. Try doing it to your wife, see how that goes. <laughs> Don't try it. That was bad advice. Don't try that. All of those other forms of love, okay? Now we get down to the one we're talking about. Agape. Agapeo. This is sacrificial love. This is the most noble and powerful type of love because it is an act of the will. Christ showed us agape love when he died on the cross for us. Sacrificing himself so that we can know eternal life and we can have salvation. And scripture tells us this, John 15 and 13, this is the essence of of agape. Greater love has no... Can y'all just read this out loud? Read this. I want to hear you read it out loud. One, two, three, go. Greater love has no man than this. Powerful words to be spoken out loud. This is true sacrificial love. This is true agape. This is agape love. And this is what Paul was speaking about when he said... That love is the fruit of the Spirit. And that's exactly what that love is. It's self-sacrificing love. Yes. And that's what we experienced. And that's what we just celebrated just then. Yes. Was exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. And if you're here this morning and you have not accepted the precious gift that He has given you, I encourage you to do so. We'll have time here in just a few moments if you want to do that. But I want to continue. I want to continue this morning. And we're talking about agape love. Unconditional love that we just celebrated in that, in that, in that beautiful, they call it a love feast back then. Now many people have storge and they have phileo and they have eros, but it is rare for somebody to have agape very rare today. Have you ever wanted to shut somebody out of your life because you don't like them? That's not agape love. No. Now I know that you can reason, but you know what? They did this to me and they did that to me, so I want to shut them out. Now I'm not advocating for a lack of boundaries because you need to have boundaries in your life, but to completely shut someone out of your life because you don't like them, or for, that's not agape love. And I get it. There are moments when you get you, you know, they might use you for only what you could do for them or provide for them. Why should you continue to show them love? Why? They mistreated me. Why should I continue to treat them well? I will tell you why. Because it is exactly what God does to us. Every last one of us in here. He is your father. You are living in his world. This is his. We talk about the church being his house. It is his house. It is his temple. But in reality, the entire planet is God's house. God's house, God's rules. Amen. You're living in his world. 
And how many times have you disobeyed Him, ignored Him, lashed out at Him, or hurt one of His own children, yet He still continues to love you day in and day out? He continues to provide air for you to breathe. Everybody take a deep breath. Breathe out. That was given to you by God. He provides food for you to eat, water for you to drink, and a remarkable planet, all of which to do this on. He is generous, provider. Every breath that you take was given by Him. He is constantly, every single moment, giving to you. Amen. You agree with this. He is good, isn't He? Even though I'm not so good to Him sometimes, He continues to be good to me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you try to keep score, you don't want to. You're going to be you're bankrupt before you ever even pick up the pen, okay? God loves you unconditionally. That's agape love is what that is. That's a love that really don't keep score. Now, I know that's hard for us to do that, but that's the very first fruit of the Spirit, if not all of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, when's the last time that you did somebody for someone without expecting something in return? You'll have to say it out loud. I'm asking you to think in your heart about this. God is doing it now on an immense level for all of mankind. At this very moment. Let's take it even further. When's the last time that you showed love to someone who hurt you? That is true agape love. And God is doing it at this very moment. We hurt Him every day with our decisions. If you really put your mind to work and just try to imagine loving somebody who killed your son. Imagine that. I've seen it done. Um... I'm not saying that it's not doable. I've seen it done. But what I am saying is that it ain't easy. It's hard. I've seen, literally seen people get on the news and tell the person who killed their child, I forgive you. No, that's hard to do. So it's possible to love, have agape and unconditional love. But agape is unconditional love. If that's the case, what's the opposite of agape? It's hate. It's self-protection and abuse. That's the opposite of it. Now, we can see the effects of hatred all throughout our planet right now, all throughout history, the Holocaust, all of these horrible racism, all of these horrible atrocities. That's hatred, folks. And if you feel yourself beginning to hate someone, then these are alarms that your fruit is falling far from the tree. And I'm going to tell you something. I know what it feels like when I begin to hate someone. I know what it feels like. I can recognize that in my heart. When you feel this, it is time to repent and go the other direction, okay? I know this ain't too fun to hear, but I'm, I'm speaking some truth this morning. When you have this feeling of hatred in your heart, it's time to repent and go the other way. It's time to repent and seek God. Seek forgiveness even from the person who is the object of your hatred. Ooh. 
And if we're not careful, here's how this can work. Hurt can lead to hatred. We get hurt and we begin to resent someone for what they did and that festers and gets all nasty inside of us and eventually turns into hatred. And the cure for them and for you is always forgiveness. It's forgiveness. If there's anything I learned in Celebrate Recovery, it's that. Do I have any Celebrate Recovery alumni in here this morning? Let me see your hands. Yeah! Give them a round of applause, church. Now, hatred can be easy to spot in our lives, but there is something a little more insidious and sneaky that can get a hold of us if we're not careful, and that's counterfeit fruit. Counterfeit fruit is what we can get when we try to take God out of the process. Now, I've talked about the spiritual disciplines and how they help us to make room for God to work in our lives so that he can grow the fruit. But you have to be careful with this because you can also use the spiritual disciplines to produce counterfeit fruit. Okay? For instance, many of the things that Jesus did, the Pharisees did also. Jesus prayed, the Pharisees prayed. Jesus read scripture, the Pharisees read scripture. Jesus attended temple, the Pharisees attended temple. Jesus fasted, the Pharisees fasted. Yet of all of the people that Jesus condemned the most, it was the Pharisees. And they did all these spiritual disciplines, but it produced counterfeit fruit. Are you following me today? The problem is that sometimes counterfeit fruit can look like real fruit. And Jesus, he knew the difference. And the way that he knew the difference was not looking at the surface, but looking at the heart. Jesus knew he could look at people's hearts. He could look at their motives. He could look at why they did what they did. He knew their hearts. So counterfeit fruit has a selfish motive, not an agape motive. It is selfish in its motive. What does counterfeit fruit of love look like? It's selfish affection. It treats someone well because of how they make you feel. Ain't that sneaky? Ask yourself this very, very hard question. Would I keep showing love to this person if I got absolutely nothing out of it? That is unconditional love. In other words, do you love them simply for who they are or for what they do for you? The prodigal son is the best example that I can think of in Scripture. And some of you, you have children who have ripped your heart out and stomped on it. But you continue to show them love. That is unconditional agape love. When you think about the prodigal son, the son came up to him and he said, Dad, I want all of your money, but I don't want you. I want everything you got, but I, want, I don't want nothing to do with you. And the father in his love said, okay. And he gave him his inheritance. He ran off and he went. He blew every bit of it. And when he came back to his dad, dad was standing there. 
looking out the window. And the moment he got in sight, he didn't know whether his son was repentant. He didn't know why his son was back. His son could have been back dead all the more money. He didn't know why his son was there yet. He had no idea. But he took out running to his son. He yanked up his skirt or whatever it was that they wore back then, and he took off running. It was undignified for someone to do that, but he did not care. He couldn't get to his son fast enough. Not even knowing what his son was going to say or do, he just loved him unconditionally. That's unconditional love. And he loved him. Why? Because of what he did for him? No, because of who he was. Right? Who he was. That's the love that God has for you. He loves you because of who you are. Not what you can do for him.